in something that is not stable. And I think what happens for a lot of us, like Belshazzar, is that we have a tendency to put our hope in things that actually can't hold. You know, and we do that. We put our hope in relationships, not a bad thing. Jobs, not a bad thing. We put our hope in all these things, and then when those anchors don't hold in the midst of the trials of life. Expectations are a terrific indicator of what you put your stock in. When you're upset or discouraged because what you thought would happen isn't working, it shows you where your hope lies. Today, Pastor Daniel invites you to consider where you are placing your hope and your security. Is it in your bank account, your health, or even your family? While these aren't bad things, they cannot be a secure foundation for you. Only Jesus can do that. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 5 as he begins his message, Foolishness. You know, when I think about the idea of foolishness, I always think about that scripture in the Bible that says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Not because there's anything wrong with children, they're just growing. You know, and there's certain things that you just don't know. And I just remember, I was just reminded of this just recently because, you know, like I have these great kids. I love my kids so much. And I kind of feel terrified for them because they're growing up with their dad with a microphone on his face, you know. And so I get to tell all these great stories about my kids. And, but so sure enough, my oldest, Obadiah, Obadiah is like a total dude, which means if it's left up to his own devices, Obadiah is not going to be the cleanest person. I mean, like, what little dude, like, likes to take a shower, you know? It's like, I mean, I know some guys are like, I like taking a shower, Fusco, but, but most guys just like to be dirty. And so sure enough, Obadiah, you know, me and Lynn used to talk about this. Lynn's like, look, he can get as dirty as he wants, but when he comes in, he has to, like, get hosed off before he gets in, and he has to go take a shower. And so sure enough, like, in our backyard, you know, we're blessed because behind our house, there's some wetlands. And, and really, there's wetlands because when it rains in the winter, all the runoff goes into, the, and it collects like a little, they call it a lake, and it's only in the winter. Right? And so sure enough, and then you have geese back there, and you know what geese do, right? Yeah. They, yeah. So, so that's nasty. That area is nasty. You know what I mean? And so sure enough, Obadiah and his buddies next door, they have this little boat, and they go out in their boat, and, like, you know, mon, you know, and they're having a great time. And, and Obadiah invariably always comes back with his clothes are a mess. You know, it's like just trying to get him to not wear his new shoes into the lake is like, that's like a full-time job that we're failing at. And so sure enough, one day Obadiah comes in and he's just like, he is just nasty. He's head to toe, just the grossest. He's just got dirt and everything is everywhere. So Lynn's like, okay, sweet, now go upstairs, take a shower. And so Obadiah goes up, he's down in like three seconds. (laughs) You know, and so, and so, I'm like, Obadiah, there's no way you used soap in the shower and washed your hair like that. He's like, yeah, you're right, I didn't. So he goes right back up. He knows, he knows the drill. So he goes back up again, and literally he comes down like another two seconds later. And I'm like, dude, come on, like you, like, you were just, like, there's no way. And he's like, no, no, I'm all clean. You can smell me if you want to. 
And so sure enough, Lynn, she takes one for the team. She's on, on smell patrol. And so she goes over and she takes a whiff of Obadiah. And she's like, it smells pretty good, you know? And so, so Obadiah's like, he's got this little twinkle in his eye. He's all clean. He's like, I'm ready to go, you know? And then all of a sudden, about, about a minute later, Obadiah's like, ow. 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 He starts screaming. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, my skin, it's itching. And Lynn's like, well, what'd you do? I sprayed air freshener on myself. <laughs> he smelled great, but he's... And all of a sudden, the air... And so he goes up in the shower. But well, we don't, well, you don't know. And you'll never know this unless you were my son Obadiah. Said, don't put hot water on air freshener on your skin either. Because he goes in the shower to wash it off. And all of a sudden, the hot water with the air freshener and Obadiah was an unhappy guy. He came out, his skin was all red. It was a mess, you know? And he had, oh, but I was like, we should sue those people. I'm like, well, it wasn't created for your body, dude. It's air freshener, not body freshener. You know, he's like, this is not right. And I'm like, but I started laughing because it's like, it's just foolishness, you know? It's an awesome story, right? And I, have, I mean, I have the same thing, you know, my daughter Annabelle, right now, you can really pray for us. Annabelle's favorite snack right now is shampoo. And it's funny, like the shampoo and the conditioner, like, you know, normally people have to hide cookies. Like, we have to hide the shampoo and conditioner in my house. Because then, like, it's my favorite. It's like, no, it's not. It's nasty. You know, it's like, it's to clean your hair. But so I bring this up because the problem with most of us is that we actually were older, but we're still like the little kids. That there's this foolishness in our hearts. That even though we know and we've learned these things and, we've, and we understand all these things and we've had all these life experiences and these life experiences teach us all this stuff, we still have a tendency just to be foolish, don't we? I, I look at my own life and it's, it's an adventure in foolishness in a lot of ways. That I think for a lot of us, we make the same mistake over and over and over again. And I think there's a lot of us here today who, that's where you are right now. It's like you are in a kind of like a reoccurring epic fails loop of your own life. Where it's like you keep stumbling in the same spots. You keep making the same mistakes. And as you keep doing it, at some point you're just like, okay, I'm kind of tired of living in this epic fails of my life loop. Because what's interesting is what we've been studying in the book of Daniel we keep seeing kind of the same mistake getting made over and over again. You know, and so I think for us today, I think what God wants to do in each one of our lives today is I think what God wants to do is he wants each one of us to leave that epic fails loop. I think what God wants is for each one of us to learn to say, there's certain mistakes that I keep making over and over again, and maybe it's just foolishness that I do that. And I think what God wants to do is he wants to lead us to take some fresh steps today. So in order to, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter five. Daniel chapter five. As we continue this series that we're calling Friction, I'm gonna literally do the entire chapter, so some 31 verses. So I want you to be able to read along. I get this sometimes, people, they don't open their Bible, I'm like, well, where'd you get all that stuff from? I'm like, well, I just actually read you the chapter. And so I want you to be able to read along because God's word is his word, and, and he wants us to, to learn from its admonition. The things that we see here in the scriptures, like they happen in space and time, but God is also doing a work in our lives, because God's word is alive. And so, Daniel 5, if you're new to the Bible, finding the, the book of Daniel is pretty easy, because Daniel is the last of what we call the major prophets, and they're major because they were majorly long-winded. 
you know. Um, not really. I mean, it was inspired by the Spirit, but there's longer books. So you have the prophet Isaiah's 66 chapters, and then you have Jeremiah's like 50 chapters, and Ezekiel's like, I think, 40-something chapters, and then you have Daniel, which is the shortest of the major prophets. So it's right there after the book of Ezekiel. Of course, there's the book of Lamentations in there for those of you who are legalistic. But that's a short book written by Jeremiah. So Daniel chapter 5 says this, beginning in verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and he drank wine in the presence of the thousand. And when, while he had tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. And then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared opposite the lampstand and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him. And so that the joints of his hips were loosed and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king spoke saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, and they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. Now, what's fascinating is we meet this guy named Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar at this point, now Nebuchadnezzar reigned for a good, a long time. He died in about 562. And then from the death of Nebuchadnezzar, there was a successive number of rulers. And by and large, the kingdom of Babylon was deteriorating quickly for lack of leadership. Nebuchadnezzar's son ruled for only about two years, and then he was murdered. And then the son-in-law who murdered him, a guy named Nerglaseer, he only reigned for four years. And then he died. And then his young son ruled for about two months. And then finally, a man named Nabonidus came to the throne, who was Belshazzar's dad. So what you end up having is Nabonidus was a pretty well, and he reigned for a decent amount of time, but he made his son kind of co-regent with him. He was reigning with him. And Nabonidus was out fortifying the kingdom, conquering different lands and, and, and making sure the kingdom was strong. And he left Belshazzar leading in the capital city of Babylon. The kingdom of Babylon is vulnerable now. And really what we see by the time this chapter is done, we're going to see that the Babylonian empire is going to get conquered by the Medo-Persian empire. So if you're with us in Daniel chapter two, this chapter actually tells the exact happening when you move from the head of gold to the chest and the arms of silver. Right? This is the exact happening. And it begins with this guy, Belshazzar. He's the king, and he made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and they drank wine in the presence of the thousand. So what's interesting is history is going to tell us, and we're going to see by the end, that they're actually besieged by the Medo-Persian armies. 
But because Babylon was such a big city and such a strong city, they had all the things they needed for about 20 years. So they were feeling very comfortable in the city. And this king's like, well, I'm going to bring all my nobles together. And even though there's armies who are looking to get in the city, we're going to have a party. And he invites the thousands of his nobles and they begin to drink and they drank wine. And it says that as Belshazzar was tasting the wine, he gave the command to bring in the gold and the silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had brought from the temple in Jerusalem. Do you remember in Daniel chapter one, we learned that not only did they bring people from Jerusalem, but they also brought articles from the temple as well. And so what you end up with is you end up with these articles that we just, we had a passing reference to it in Daniel 1, and now all of a sudden, Belshazzar is like, why don't you bring out all those articles from the temple of the God of the Jewish people? And we're going to party with those. Now, know what I like to call this, and I think this is important. My friends, don't play the fool. Don't play the fool. Or if we were Mr. T, we'd say we should pity the fool. But Mr. T can pity the fool because when you're a fool, you're a fool. And Belshazzar is foolish. See, and this is the thing. You can't blame the alcohol, but you can, can't you? Because if you think about it, and the Apostle Paul makes this point in Ephesians chapter 5, where he says, do not be drunk with wine in which is excess. That's Ephesians 5.18. He says, don't be drunk. See, what happens is, is the influence of the foreign substance, the alcohol, brings out some of the worst parts of who we are. But really what you find is that those things are still in us, but the because of the presence of that drugs or alcohol, all of a sudden, who we really are starts to come out. The worst parts of who we are. The things that would normally filter us from doing these things, now all of a sudden, they're finding their way to the surface. And Belshazzar is making a fatal mistake, which he thinks that his kingdom is assured to him. He doesn't realize, as we've seen all the way through the book of Daniel, that the reason he has a kingdom was because God, the God of the Jews, gave him that kingdom. He didn't learn from Nebuchadnezzar, who was humbled because he thought he did this. And I think we make the same mistake today where we begin to think that your life is your own. You begin to think that what you have is because I created this. And the answer is no, you didn't. God gave you this. God gave you the gifts and talents. God gave you the breath in your lungs. God gave you the ability to hone a talent to make a livelihood. See, God has gifted us these things, but we are foolish when we begin to think that we did it ourselves. And what's amazing is, is we have a whole human history of this story, and yet we still make the same mistake today. And what's amazing is, is it, it doesn't only happen for people who don't know the Lord. It happens for people who do as well. You ever met a puffed up proud Christian before? So it's not like this mistake is unique to people who don't know the Lord. Oftentimes it happens. I mean, you, could, you read the history of the children of Israel and you see successive examples of leaders who get proud and get puffed up, who begin to rest on their laurels and think this is all here because of me. This reminds me, of course, of Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, which says, the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Apostle Paul quotes this in Romans chapter 3. See, the foolishness comes when we act as if there is no God when there really is. That's where foolishness happens. In Ephesians chapter 5, a couple of verses before what I quoted before, it says that we should walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly means we need to walk carefully. We need to realize that life is full of potential pitfalls. See, 
Belshazzar isn't thinking about any of these things. He's got an army besieging a city. He's having a party. He starts drinking. He's like, you know what we should do? This party, you know, what we're drinking out of isn't enough. Now let's go get one of those, the articles from the temple of the God of the Jews. Let's drink out of those. And it's all foolishness. Because sure enough, as they are in the midst of drinking, and it's not only him, it's all the nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So his whole posse is there. Everyone's there. And notice it says in verse 4, they drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. See, the problem for Belshazzar is he's, because of the alcohol now, he's praising the gods that he knows. He's like, oh, the God of the Bible is nobody. I got the God of gold. I got the God of silver. I got iron. I got all my strength. He's resting in something that is not stable. And I think what happens for a lot of us, like Belshazzar, is that we have a tendency to put our hope in things that actually can't hold. You know, and we do that. We put our hope in relationships, not a bad thing. Jobs, not a bad thing. We put our hope in all these things. And then when those anchors don't hold in the midst of the trials of life, we come undone. I remember when the economy crashed a number of years ago, I think it was like the wealthiest man or the second wealthiest man in Germany who was in the top 15 wealthiest people in the world committed suicide by walking in front of a train. And you would say to yourself, listen, in the midst of a crashing economy, I mean, like, if you're the second wealthiest person in a nation, even if things go really bad, you're still going to end up probably pretty decent. But it makes you wonder, like, what's he hoping in? Now, again, I don't, I mean, I don't know it was in his heart. I don't want to judge the man's motives in any way. And I'm really not responsible for his motives, but I am responsible for mine. And you are responsible for yours. So what are you hoping in today? And is what you're hoping in, will it really hold when push comes to shove? See, Belshazzar is hoping in the gods of gold and silver, the gods of his kingdom. But all of a sudden, he's going to find very, very quickly that his hope is built on something that can't hold him. Because what happens? Notice what goes on in verse 5. In the same hour... The fingers of a man's hand appeared and rode opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote in verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. Now, try and imagine that. You're there in that hall, right? There's all these nobles and the king is there and everybody's having a great time. It's a great party. And all of a sudden, there's this big lampstand. All of a sudden, there's a hand that starts writing on the wall. That would be kind of trippy, don't you think? Yeah. And this thing starts writing and all of a sudden, everyone's countenance changes. You can imagine that. They'd be like, man, what is in this wine, you know? Say right. But literally, everybody is undone. And so the king cries out and he says, I want all my wives, all my counselors, they all need to come in. I need to understand what this thing says. And so sure enough, everybody shows on up and he says, listen, if you could tell me what that says, I'm going to give you a robe of purple. That was a sign of royalty in that culture. A gold chain around your neck. He's like, I'm going to get you all blinged out. Gold chains, I mean, they're more common today in that culture. That was, again, there was a very generous gift. And then, of course, you could be third in my kingdom. Why third? Because his dad is actually the ruler. He is the co-regent, so he can only give the third part of the kingdom. But nobody can give him what it says and what it means. And sure enough, look what happens in verse 10. It says, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall 
The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, whom is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers who have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. Verse 16, and I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed in purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from the kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. But you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. Wow. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel finished up this teaching with Daniel's response to King Belshazzar, who's understandably freaked out by the giant hand that just wrote a message on his wall. Before Daniel translated what was written, he reminded Belshazzar of what happened to his predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, who tried to elevate himself over the Lord and was humbled. He basically says, didn't you learn from your ancestor what he went through? How about you? 
Can you relate to the king? Have you ignored the cautionary tales you've seen and continued down a foolish path? Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will get into the meaning of what was written on the wall and its application for you today. Belshazzar disregarded his father's example. He remained prideful and arrogant, but you can choose differently. You can humble yourself and follow the Lord. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Friction. Until then, may God bless.